Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Love is Everywhere the podcast, the show where I give comedians assignments of things that are supposed to make you happier and then we talk about it and we find out how it went. Today's guest is Melanie Darling. Oh man, I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. Just what an absolute joy of a person she is. Uh, her assignment was all about self-esteem, loving yourself, which I hope that you are all doing. That's the key to everything, honestly, is just loving yourself. If you listening to this, you are lovable all the way through. There's no part of you that is not worthy of love. You are a completely and wholly lovable person, and I hope you know that, and I hope that you tell yourself that every day, maybe multiple times a day, maybe five times a day out loud to yourself in a mirror, like I made Melanie do this week. <laughs> if you want to support Melanie in general, you can follow her at SugarDarling, D-A-H-L-I-N-G. I think I spelled that right. <laughs> follow her at SugarDarling. Um, also, she has a wonderful podcast. So, hey, I know you're a podcast person. You listen to this one. Uh, go and follow her podcast. It's called Tarts and Craft. Uh, it's a beautiful witchy podcast I think you'll enjoy. Uh, if you want to support this podcast in general, you can like it, rate it. You can subscribe to it if you haven't done that already. Why you Why you playing me hot and cold? Are you listening to this podcast? You're not a subscriber? Come on. <laughs> Get your act together. Go subscribe officially. You know, let's lock this thing down. Uh, you could leave us a review if you wanted to do that. Uh, you could follow me on social media at, at Hamiltrace if you want to see uh, a picture of my dog once every couple of weeks. Hey, if that's, <laughs> if that's what you're in the market for, that's pretty much all I'm putting out. So go look at pictures of my dog at Hamiltrace. And in the meantime, uh, please enjoy this conversation with Melanie Dowling. Hello, how are you? Melanie Darling. Yes, it's me. So nice to see you. <laughs> it's nice to see you too. I'm so interested in all these things. In the, are you in a closet? I am in basically a closet. This is like a, this little storage room that's attached to my bedroom. So yeah, it's my it's makeshift like studio. Spacious area to keep things in and exactly. I think it's wonderful and you have exercise equipment and several hats That's I love right. it I have many <laughs> many hats the funny thing is is like I never wear hats I just have so many <laughs> I keep trying I to feel be like a in a similar <laughs> no you and I both have hat personalities exactly. I feel but the actual execution, like I have a hat that I adore, but when you're wearing it, it's like flapping around and like it falls off in the wind and then you go somewhere and you're like, is it rude if I continue to wear this hat? Like it's just, yeah. there's a lot more that goes into it than you think when you initially just try on and buy the hat. Exactly. It's a much more stressful experience than you anticipate it being. <laughs> yeah. But I love the look, you know, I and love it's the nice look to have too. on hand. I'm just shocked by the minimal amount of wind that it takes to blow a hat straight off of your head. Yeah. I always thought it was more. <laughs> no, it's the tiniest gust and then 
And then I feel like I'm that person feeling like that person. <laughs> oh, you're frozen. I can't. Oh, it's okay. oh, there you are. <laughs> It'll, that'll keep happening. I'm, I'm going to warn you and the listeners that my internet is not great. So <laughs> I'm hoping Okey that it's dokey. relatively cooperative today, but uh, any mishaps, uh, that'll, that'll be Matt's job <laughs> to, yeah. to take well, care of those. At least I can hear you, though. I tried joining a Zoom, like, webinar over the weekend, and I couldn't hear anyone. <laughs> and I was like, but then if I hit join audio, will they hear me? Because mm. so Zoom is a whole, it's, it's a, a whole, whole thing. thing. We're figuring it out. It's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we start with an honest, how are you? So how are you for real? How am I for real? Mm -hmm. um, that is a good question. I feel good today um I had a bit of a rough day yesterday unexpectedly um it was Mother's Day weekend and it was the first one without my mom yeah. and I I didn't really know how I was going to react to all that because her and I weren't like Mother's Day wasn't huge in our household because we're pretty close anyway so it was like ah I'll send you a card or something but no big deal so I was like, I don't know how am I how am I gonna feel for this one and it's like that's what happens when you lose someone, all these occasions come up and you're like, what's this one going to do? And yeah. for some reason, um, yeah, Mother's Day, well, I guess for a very good reason, Mother's Day was really difficult. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of just let myself have a difficult time with it and like just binged out on Netflix and just like did some journaling and tried to just feel what I was feeling. So today I think I'm feeling kind of rejuvenated because I gave myself that time yeah because I feel like um oh I've been watching um do you watch on Netflix dead to me with Christina Applegate it's fantastic it's, it's so good such a good show and Linda Cardellini oh it's just it's so great and it's funny because I started watching that before my mom passed away, this Christina Applegate style person in some regards, her character, because um, everybody's grieving in this very like TV way. And mm -hmm. she's like, she's grieving, but it just doesn't feel the same way as everyone else. So I always felt kind of alienated by other people's grief when um, I would try and join a grief support group and people would just be posting like, I woke up today and I was sad and then I was sad all day and then I went to bed and I was sad and everything's sad and I was like oh I'm feeling every emotion I've yeah. ever felt um just much stronger so I just yeah it was um it was kind of nice in a way um to feel sad on an appropriate day to feel sad and be like I'm <laughs> yeah. doing it or you're like I'm <laughs> doing sad right today <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, I'm grieving the way that like, quote unquote, normal people do. <laughs> um, so it kind of felt like, oh, this is like an appropriate emotion. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, look at me. <laughs> so, um, and I got to watch Dead to Me because there was a new season. So I was like, oh, I get to just like, relate to these characters that I in different ways relate to on such a profound level. And I think like that, that second season came for me at the right time. Mm -hmm. it, I think it's really good that you gave yourself the space to just feel your feelings instead of mm -hmm. being like, how do I solve the feelings? Yeah. Yeah. I think 
that is something I'll, I'll pat myself on the back for that I'm pretty good at being like, all right, this is what's on the docket today. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and how are we going to just sit with it and explore it? Because it's like, you, like, I think surrender is such an important lesson to learn in life. Like, absolutely, there's that whole it repeats itself all the time. Like there's that whole thing, like if you get in a car crash or you get swept up in a big wave, like just let your body go limp and the more you fight against it. And it feels like we're learning that in every aspect of our lives all the time. It's just like, okay, this is what's happening. How do I work with this? Rather than like sitting there wishing it were different or trying to turn it into something different. Yeah. Cause it never has the effect that you want it to. Like I really like no. that metaphor of the like, let your body go limp, like just surrender to the wave kind of thing. I th- yeah, I think that's so mm-hmm. important. And I think if you do want, because I have the same thing where I'm like, well, I got to be productive. I got so many things to get done today. If you do want that, you're going to get to it faster by just giving in to what's happening. And I think we think like fighting but it's like, well, then you're going to do a half-assed job of whatever thing you're trying to do. So, yeah. it, yeah, it doesn't accomplish what you think it will to just push through. Absolutely. Should we get into your assignment? Yeah, let's talk about it. I've been thinking about it this morning. Yeah, so uh, I gave you an assignment around self-image and self-esteem. Uh, so the assignment that I gave you was sort of a combination of, like, mantras and mirror work which Mm -hmm. are are both two things that can feel really, really uncomfortable to do. So I'm very curious to hear how it went. So I told you that you had to every morning say out loud to yourself in the mirror, I am lovable all the way through. Uh, So how did that go? Yes. Um, I liked it. I think, um, I'm pretty familiar with like the whole, like, um, uh, mirror mantra work like it's a those are waters I swim in so I was like okay let's do this um I feel like I do have a tendency with all uh self-reflection work to just kind of do it without really sinking into it like I'll get a journal with prompts and I'll just scribble something out and be like done and like set yeah, it just aside. like going through the motions of it Yeah, because I'm pretty good. Like, I think I know myself pretty well. So I'm usually like, yeah, done, done, done. Okay. But lately, I have been trying to, like, I've been reading the artist way. And I'm trying to really, like, write my morning pages and be, like, present. So the exercise came to me at a good time. And I tried, if anything, to just be playful with it. Like, and say it different ways and make Mm -hmm. different facial expressions so that I knew that I was present because otherwise I would just like look at myself and make a very serene expression and just do it and be like, no, I'm so good at this. (laughs) So yeah, I think um, I've been doing a lot of work around self-esteem lately. Uh, So I think it, just like contributed to all of that work in a nice way. And it was kind of this playful thing that was like, I'm talking to myself in a mirror, like it's silly and I'm allowed to know that that's silly and still do it. 
Um, so I, I liked that, it. Yeah, that's a really good point of the like, you're allowed to feel silly doing it and it's still effective. Like it's still good. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it, it's not anything, like, oh, if it, unless it feels natural and stuff, then it, it must not be <laughs> worth doing or there must not be a point to it. But like, you're still getting something out of it. If you're having fun with it, that's fine. Yeah. And the thing, like, as you were saying that, I just realized, like, how often do we, like, bear down and do things we don't want to do because they have to be done and this is important. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to, like, something that feels unnatural in the, like, hippy-dippy self-love side of things, the moment it feels unnatural, we're like, no, I don't think this will work for me. And it's like, yep. okay, but if some, like, corporate stooge was, like, paying you to do it, you would do it. So... I try, I'm trying to have the same sense of obligation for that stuff that I do for the things that uh, literally pay me. Mm -hmm. So it was good. And um, it's interesting because like, I really think, um, and I, before all this, um, before all the shows got canceled, I'd started exploring this in my standup where um, I really feel like my self-esteem is an interesting little beast where um, I, by myself, feel great about myself and think so many nice things about myself. But then the moment I think of somebody else looking at me or in interacting mm -hmm. with me or the world at large, then I'm like, oh, they're going to hate me. They're going to think my, like, I shouldn't have cut my own bangs. <laughs> 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 like, I just get all these, like, or I'm like, oh, my stand-up, like, everyone in the scene secretly like doesn't super like my stand-up or whatever like it's just like these very so it's like well how can I say that I have like good self-esteem when it's only in the alone time moments yeah, that like I feel it, good it's good it's, in a bubble and then once you factor in yeah the outside opinions which you're making up in your own head. It's not like other people are telling you like, hey, you cut your own bangs. It looks stupid. And I don't like your stand up. Like nobody's <laughs> saying that to you. But yeah, right? when you put in the like the outside observing voice into your head, uh, it can be a lot trickier. That's one thing that I've used yeah. this particular mantra for before. Because I think a lot of us have this kind of idea that like, even if you feel like generally with yourself and it, when you're alone like you have a pretty good handle on loving yourself and then once you try to imagine a person with you whether it's like a friend or an intimate relationship mm -hmm. you start to feel like there are limits to that where it's like okay I'm lovable to yes. a degree and then once <laughs> you get past that degree who knows like that's where the fear of rejection and fear of intimacy and stuff like that mm -hmm. come up and I think it's really important to remind yourself that like yeah, I am lovable all the way through. Like, there isn't a limit. Mm -hmm. Like, all of it is good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all lovable. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, um, we, we do so much, like, judging this is a good emotion that I want to feel all the time versus this is a bad emotion that is that I should never feel. And it's like, but it's all they're all crayons in your coloring box. Like exactly. it's like, it's all gonna happen. And um, like, I think um, I've been working on my relationship with criticism because 
I, uh, another thing with my mom is she just thought that I was perfect and amazing. <laughs> and like, uh, I didn't get a lot of criticism from my mom or a lot of work ethic from her. Uh, so she was one of those, like, be yourself, um, mm -hmm. let your freak flag fly, which is wonderful. But I never got the, like, discipline and getting used to being criticized. Yeah, so, you don't build up the tolerance to criticism. Yeah. Yeah. So now that I'm in a world where it's like, you know, there are stand-ups that I like better than others, and there's people evaluating me in that same way, mm -hmm. um, or there are people I'm more attracted to than others. There's people seeing me with those same eyes. And that's just a fact. Um, but it's something that even in my 30s, I'm still like, oh God, if I feel this way, that means <laughs> I'm feeling this way. And I'm part of that. And like, I don't know, like, you know, when there's someone in the neighborhood where you're like, oh, uh, painty jeans guy in your head. And then one day you realize you probably have a thing Yep. everyone else in the neighborhood and you're like oh no what am I yeah you're somebody <laughs> else's like, painty jeans guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and what's my thing and it's like I think we do ourselves a disservice by sometimes for self-esteem we'll say like well nobody's even thinking about that it's like well, they are they are <laughs> they're looking at your Instagram and they're thinking things about you but how do you just know that and continue to like yourself and be like, yeah, I do that too. Yeah. I think also we, we tend to think that people are judging us a lot more harshly than they usually are. Like, I think if you look at even how yeah. you look at others, right? Yes, you make judgments about other people. Yes, you have preferences of like, oh, I don't like this person stand up as much or this person to me is more attractive than this other person. But even you aren't as critical of other people as you assume people are about you. No, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, I don't think any of us are like Disney villains <laughs> mm -hmm. um, about it. And I think most of us, especially at this age, you know, are probably trying to temper that critical side of ourselves. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Um, there was a line in my standup um, that I'd incorporated recently where I called myself a narcissist with anxiety because yeah, it's like, because like <laughs> I can like myself so much <laughs> and think so many great things. But then the moment I step outside, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm trying to be like, playful with all of those things so with my mantra I tried to be like less stoic and more like all right let's have some fun with this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear that yeah. yeah I think like I don't know it's such a tricky thing I I'm kind of the same way where like especially right now where like I don't I'm not around a lot of other people I don't have mm -hmm. a lot of other outside people that I can project my own insecurities onto yeah. Um, it's easy for me to be like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling in a pretty good place with myself and like, I feel really good like this, uh, because I don't have the outside people around right now to be anxious of their reaction to me. Um, it is, it is different mm -hmm. when you're out in the world, like regular and, uh, <laughs> as an anxious person, I can definitely relate to that. One thing I've also been trying to think 
of for myself is like uh we all have things that we assume to be the what, what I wouldn't say unlovable but like the least lovable parts of ourselves right the mm-hmm. the pieces that you're like oh like yeah I'm lovable to a degree and then once they see these pieces then not so much or with our physical appearance it's like oh I re- like all of these parts I really like but this part that's the part that I would change or that people must make negative judgments about and uh, this is gonna sound a little weird but <laughs> I had I had this like real revelation the other day um so you know my dog Evie you know Evie yes yep. yes we spent Christmas together yes. it was lovely Sweet little Evie. Uh, so Evie is 11 years old. She's a senior dog. And uh, yeah. so she she doesn't have the best breath. She's got some pretty stinky <laughs> breath. She's an old dog now. Yeah. Some of her teeth are starting to go. She has a really stinky, disgusting breath. And uh, I can recognize that it is a, an unpleasant smell, but I love the smell of her breath. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love her stinky dog breath, and, like, when she yawns in my face, I'm not unhappy about it. I'm, like, my, it, it like, touches <laughs> my heart, her stinky breath, because it, it's hers, and she's yeah. mine, and uh, so I was thinking about that, and I was, like, oh, man, like, I wonder what my stinky dog breath thing is that I oh. think is so awful and objectively bad, but that other people must love about me because it's a part of me. Like the people who yes. are close to you will love your stinky dog breath. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that wild? That's a really good way to think of it. That it's like, yeah, I recognize that this is unpleasant, but but it's um, not unpleasant to me. Like I can obje- yeah. objectively, on like an intellectual level, I can recognize that this is supposed to be an unpleasant smell, but it has no unpleasant smell effects on me. Yeah. That's wild. I remember um, my best example of that kind of moment was something that I really don't like about myself that I've tried not to be is I'm like, I'm such a like kooky ant character archetype, like watching those, like, you'll see these characters in so many, so many of the films and TV shows we adore who are like, I'm taking a cooking class. Maybe I'm going to become a chef. And then they're like, Mm -hmm. no, I forgot about that. It's like that Portlandia sketch where she's making jewelry now. (laughs) They're like, I thought she was doing this for a while. And I'm that person. I'm always hopping from one thing to another being like, this is the thing. This is Mm -hmm. the thing that's going to define my life. And I've always been really embarrassed about it because it's like, I want to settle in. I know other people that have that lovely trajectory where it's like, I found a hobby I just started doing it all the time and now it's my whole life and that's how I make my money and isn't this tidy? And I know so many people like that. Um, It's not like an Etsy fable. It does happen, but I've never landed anywhere. And I always thought, oh, this is so embarrassing. I'm such a failure, but I've had a couple of my more settled friends compliment me on it Mm -hmm. and say like, I love that you never like, that if you're not liking something, you'll just abandon it. I love that you know what you like and what works for you. And that is wild to me because to me, it makes me like this, like, like, (laughs) like kooky music in the background while I wear my like crazy big acrylic earrings and do my silly thing. Like, and I've never wanted to be, um, I think I rallied against cuteness and silliness 
uh, as a child, I always wanted to be more like brooding and mysterious and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And everyone was like, you're cute. And um, it's, yeah, there are those things that, um, that are uniquely you that, again you have to surrender to and know that like yeah to me this might be embarrassing but this is what makes me who I am and there's people that even like that about me exactly oh that's so nice (laughs) I I think it's great to be a kooky (laughs) character jumping from one project to the next I think that I think that that's an extremely lovable quality just for the record yeah I wanted oh, to ask good. you Rue about McClanahan played a <laughs> <laughs> on Boy Meets World. <laughs> what oh, did you want to ask me about? I wanted to ask you. Okay, so one of one of the things that I know that you have done is burlesque, and I wanted to ask you about that because mm-hmm. I think that is such a cool, yeah. cool thing and a a really powerful tool for your own like self image and self esteem and like stepping into your power yeah. kind of thing. So I wanted to ask you about your experience with that. Yeah, I loved, um, I took a couple burlesque classes. One was at um, Toronto School of Burlesque when um, Red Herring was running her school. I think it's closed now and she's moved on to other things. And then um, I took some classes at Shea Bon Bon with Bon 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 Bay. Say that whole thing again. That was fantastic. I just (laughs) want to hear it again. It's like music. (laughs) <laughs> Shay Bon Bon with Bon Bon Bombay. <laughs> yeah, she's wonderful. Um, they're both wonderful and taught me very different and important things about burlesque. And um, I just like what I loved about it is I don't know if it's something that I want to like do or become. It's just something I enjoy. And mm-hmm. it's so nice to approach a hobby with like yeah, maybe once a year I'll put together a little number and do it. But like, I don't know that I want to dedicate my life to it as, as these other performers do the ones that I admire so much. Um, and it's nice to have a hobby that you're like, Oh, I don't have to have the like Etsy storyline in the back of my head that I have to become this burlesque sensation. I can just do this and I love it. And, um, I think it brought a physicality to my standup that I enjoyed. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, because I was like, I've I've often been told that like conversationally I use my body a lot, but in but when I go to perform, even as an actor, I used to be like, dur, 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 like very <laughs> <laughs> very robotic. So it helped me learn how to like get in touch with like what's a fun way to express and like burlesque is kind of like clowning in a way where um, you're creating a world with your body and that's mm-hmm. all you have. So I really liked it. I did one recital. Um, so I've done it publicly once. It was very fun. Um, and it's fun. I think I would recommend it to anyone who feels self-conscious or micromanagey about their bodies because you do not have time to think about that. When you've put together a burlesque number, you're <laughs> like, step bump, step bump, step bump. Now I can remove this and I got to make it look cute. And like, you are not thinking about your body at all. And um, I think uh, for me, um, when I saw the footage, I thought about my body a little bit, but I also remembered how much fun I had. And mm-hmm. it really becomes less about the body. And um, I think it's important for people of all body types to 
do it as well because I felt sort of like I saw a lot of like fabulous like Lizzo plus size women and I saw a lot of like petite cute fit little like dancer types and I didn't see a lot of like in between necessarily and I was like oh I'm kind of like petite but also a little chonky and I was like I like that I'm on stage showing this right now so maybe there's some woman with the same body type as me who's seeing this and being like oh oh that's what I look like and I think we need so much more of that of just I just want to see all the bodies all the different kinds of bodies so much that it makes such a difference like I remember like years and years and years ago in elementary school uh where they'd give us like lectures in health class about Mm -hmm. like body image and like oh, like, looking at magazines makes you self-conscious about your body because, like, these are unrealistic expectations. And I remember thinking at the time being being like, oh, like, I, I don't feel like I've been very affected by that. Like, I, I feel like that hasn't really had an impact on me. And then when that first Dove campaign came out, <laughs> that, yes. fir- that first one, I, I, I saw it, and the amount of, like, warmth and comfort that I felt seeing <laughs> Times I was like, oh, I think I have been very affected by it. Yes, how could you not? It's everywhere. And it's like, I had that same moment when Lena Dunham was naked all the time on girls. Yeah. And my first reaction was like, she wears a lot of unflattering clothing is what I thought. And then I got used to her body and I was like, oh, I've just never seen a body that shape on television before as, as a lead who has sex mm-hmm. and isn't the side crazy character. Like she's the lead and she's yep. crazy. But um, <laughs> not to be like, I know it's ableist to use the word crazy. I guess I mean like she's, she's all over the place. She's wild. Yeah, she's <laughs> not, but she's not like the side character, like the Phoebe kind yeah, of thing where she's, it's like she steps in every once in a while for like a B or C storyline. Like, yeah, she's the story. And I seeing that and seeing that body type and the fact that she's able to be this unlikable, unstable protagonist and like, say what you will about Lena Dunham these days, that show meant a lot to me because mm-hmm. of that. And it made me realize, oh, I've been hardwired to think of normal as um, a petite woman with a cute blouse tucked into some tight dark wash jeans and high heels and a blow a beautiful blowout in her hair and that's normal and anything outside of that is like a wild (laughs) and it's I didn't think I was affected by it either but it's like it's being coded into your brain every day Mm -hmm. yeah I think we don't realize sometimes the effect that it actually has on us and uh, it really is about just like being exposed to the the way other people look that Mm -hmm. like it's just so unbelievably comforting to see a body that looks like yours uh have you ever seen the show naked attraction no but i've heard it's wonderful it is wonderful it's bizarre i can't believe that this is a show (laughs) that exists um if (laughs) for listeners who have not seen the show naked attraction they basically have like six people in little boxes and one single person uh who's not in a box and they slowly raise the top of the box so that you can see the people like one body piece at a time um and the the single person has to go and look around and pick which 
person they are attracted to, that kind of thing. Um, but just seeing all of the variety and all of these naked people all side by side, all looking different, and like mm-hmm. even just uh, like for women specifically, like everybody's boobs look so different, right? So yes. when you see boobs that look like your boobs, you're like, oh yes, like I feel okay now. <laughs> I have a dirty playing card from a 1970s dirty playing card deck that I was on set for a, a short film, and they had these dirty playing cards as a prop. And I took this one card. I don't know where she is right now, but it's because it was a woman with boobs that looked like mine and I had never seen it before. And I was like, not only do those boobs look like mine, but they are on this dirty pornographic playing card that people would look at for pleasure. Yep. That's right. So it meant so much to me because like, oh, the things like I have I have larger breasts. I always have. So they grew, I never got to have the like perky young person breasts. They were always like hanging out. Um, and I was like, oh no. Cause to me, you either have like tiny cute breasts or you have big watermelon breasts with the nipples perfectly in the center. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I have neither of those. And I just felt like a failure somehow that I hadn't grown the right boobs because I did not see any that looked like mine for so long it's wild it is wild oh man yeah nothing is as comforting as seeing boobs that look like yours (laughs) yeah I think that's so important like uh did you ever watch how to look good naked there was a British version and an uh American version I don't think I did that I know the the title there's a chance that I may have seen it refresh me on the premise So they would have a woman who just feels terrible about her body and they would have her like talk all about it. And there was always a montage. The British one was, was better, but they were both good. Um, They would have a montage of naked women who were like, I love my body. And they all had different types of bodies. And um, they'd all like, you could see on their bodies, like some of them had gone through something like a surgery or whatever. And it would just be a montage of all these bodies. And then you meet this woman who feels terrible. And then, um, she would take a photo, they took a photo of her in uh, her underwear and put it on a billboard. And then they would have people like walk by and be like, what do you think? What do you think of her? And most guys were like, yeah, she's hot. Yeah. <laughs> and like, or people would find something nice to say, like, ooh, yeah. like she's got, she's got such nice shapely hips or like, most people would find something nice to say. Is that because they were on camera? I don't know. Maybe they would have been catty or otherwise. But then the woman would spend all this time like learning that was like a mix up of self-love, but also she'd learn like exfoliating and like all kinds mm-hmm. of just little beauty things that can make you feel better. And they didn't give her plastic surgery or a bunch of like whatever. And then at the end, they did a naked photo shoot and they would always like artfully drape like fabric so that she'd feel confident. Yeah. And it was so nice because the whole time you're just looking at naked people and it's being normalized for you and it's not sexual. And I think usually the only time you see naked bodies on TV or in movies is it's sexual. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, if I'm not serving my purpose as a titillating woman while I'm in the shower alone, yeah. then like, <laughs> I'm a failure. Yeah, like if if I'm not being performing sexuality every time I'm naked, right? uh, Then I'm not doing it right. Yeah, and it's 
yeah, it's it was such a cool show for that. Um, and then, yeah, the, the British one had a guy named Gawk Wan, and then the American one had Carson Kressley, and he's adorable. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's on YouTube, but if you just want to look at, like, a bunch of naked people, that's what that was great for. I think there's just something so important about finding joy in your body, and that, <laughs> like, uh, that's why I was curious about the burlesque stuff, because I think that seems like such a good route to that of like yeah. just having an experience of like play and joy and just mm -hmm. like having fun be with your body. And the it. idea that mm -hmm. sexuality can be fun. Cause I think we always think of like, Ooh, now I'm going to be sexy. Yeah. And there's like, and it's Ooh. very serious. And like, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of, it's a lot of pouting faces and <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. severe. <laughs> and then like, it's fun to just be like, well, I'm crazy and be like, have like my whole routine was about a woman getting really excited to order a pizza. So <laughs> I had her and I'm lactose intolerant. So it was fiction. <laughs> um, but I had a little like rotary phone and I'm like looking through my bills and then there's a pizza ad and I'm like, oh, <laughs> and, then <I'm>, like, <laughs> and then I dial the number all sexy and it was like, oh, this is fun because there's so much ugh, like from when you're so young as a female presenting person, there's so much put on you about you're displaying your sexuality and this is how the outside world feels about it. And before you even know how you feel about your own sexuality, it's like thrust upon you. Yep. And just to like take it and be like, it's silly, it's fun, it's whatever I make of it. Like it doesn't, yeah, sexiness doesn't have to be so heavy. It can just be light and fluffy. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's a, it's a hard thing that we all come up against is that kind yeah. of like, feeling like we're doing it wrong. I feel like that applies to so much more than even just sexuality and how we feel mm -hmm. in our bodies. I feel like whatever we're doing, most of the time we feel like we're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> whereas yeah. really the, that's not reality. Like uh, even with stand-up, no. right? Like if like they're in the same way that it's comforting to see somebody who has the same body and the same boobs as you, it's comforting to see a comedian that you feel like has the same comedy brain as you uh, because it makes you feel like you're doing it right. At least that's how it is for me. I suppose that yeah. you could also have the feeling of like, oh no, the, this person's like me, they're going to take my place or, or some kind of thing like that. But <laughs> for me, I think like when I, when I see a comedian who I feel some kind of like connection with in terms of like how our comedy minds function, um, it makes me feel so good because it makes me feel like, uh, yeah, yeah, like a like yeah, we're the same. <laughs> like you've got the same boobs as me. <laughs> yeah, I felt similar watching. Um, I watched Trixie Mattel's uh Netflix special mm -hmm. thing. She's a drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race. Didn't she doesn't shine very brightly on RuPaul's Drag Race? If you've only seen her on there, look at her outside work. Mm -hmm. But she's this folk singing drag queen who just like she was a folk singer and a drag queen so she put those two things together and I I saw that and I was like oh my god I can do anything because <laughs> I've always felt like I didn't fit in stand-up in the traditional way and maybe I don't 
Um, but then I also don't know that I fit in like the alt world, which is its whole other thing. Um, and just seeing someone be like, yeah, these are two things that I do and I'm doing them together on stage and seeing how many people were like, we love you. And nobody was like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Like nobody cared. It was just, let's watch this wonderful folk artist who also happens to be this like big giant drag queen with like two foot tall hair. Like, why not? I feel like uh, we sell ourselves really short in thinking that if we are something outside of the norm or outside of what we usually see, that it means that we don't belong and there's no audience for that. Mm -hmm. Whereas really what it is, is like if you are something different and something out of the norm, uh, then the audience is going to be starving for you because the people who want to see that haven't gotten it from anywhere. Yeah. And it's just going to take you maybe a little bit longer to find that audience. Um, But yeah, it's like, oh, I've had so many shows where I'm like, that was terrible. And then I've had like one person from the back of the room, like, I liked that you were different than everyone else. And Mm -hmm. like, okay, you one person, one day I'm going to get all of you one people in a room and you'll be an audience exactly (laughs) I feel like yeah you got to focus on the long game in that way (laughs) yeah eventually you will be in a position where the entire audience is the one weirdo in the back and they're Mm -hmm. all gonna lose their ever-loving minds (laughs) because they're so happy (laughs) to be there watching you right Yeah, no, I'm so happy when I see, like, something that I connect with that becomes accessible in a mainstream way. Mm -hmm. That's never, like, that's exciting when you're a kid, when you see something that you're like, oh, that's like me on the inside. It's always exciting. It's the most exciting thing. So that's, what's exciting about being a performer is, like, I could be that for somebody, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think you you probably already are (laughs) (laughs) I don't know (laughs) (laughs) so what are some things that you do generally to kind of maintain uh your self-esteem things that you try to keep in place for yourself to keep yourself on an even keel that way that is a good question um I I follow Instagrams that make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try and just fill my head with images that make me feel good. And the moment an Instagram account isn't make me feel good, I just unfollow it. Yeah. Um, maybe not the moment, maybe like the third moment. Um, but it's like, I just, there's certain things that I know will send me down spiral and I can confront those things in my own time. But when I'm just scrolling through Instagram is not the time. Mm-hmm. So I try and surround myself with images that I like. Um, And lately, I've actually been doing a real deep dive into all this stuff. So I've been reading the artist way. I've been doing my morning pages. I've been Mm -hmm. doing my artist date. And I resisted the artist way for some time. It was like, I think I've had it since theater school. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I read it. And I didn't read it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, 
And then like the second time I tried, I just skimmed over it. But I've really been doing the work and like giving into it, being like, this feels weird, but I'll do it. All the journaling prompts, all the everything. That's been helping. Um, the artist way and is excellent. I, it's it's a, so good. It's so good. Our our next episode and next week actually is all like, about the artist's way. It's it's fantastic. Love that. Oh, way. amazing. I can't wait to tune into that. It's so good and it's been helping. And then I actually started seeing a life coach recently. Um, and I cool, have a please therapist. Please tell me about that. Please yeah, tell me about I, that. I'm very curious. What I love about life coaching as opposed to therapy, they're equally important, but in different ways. With a therapist, it's like, I'm going to rant and say all my dark stuff that's inside of me and you're going to be like that's valid and I'll be like it is that's great <laughs> that's <laughs> the most you. concise and accurate description <laughs> of therapy I've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's what I see that as and then but with a life coach uh I have found there's more um calling me on my shit a little bit there's a little bit of like mm -hmm. oh well okay but is that a decision you're making because you think you should go back to school or are you afraid deep down that you can't make it as an artist and you just want to give up and like cool and like so <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little more like tough love and a little more like let's get to the root of like all of these things that you've been putting the work into just like anyone else is putting the work into, but they're not showing you the results you want. Let's figure out why. Mm -hmm. And um, what I like about this person is they've been able to identify strong suits of mine just by like chatting with me and be like, Oh, uh, this thing that you just mentioned offhand, that could be a whole thing. And like um, just seeing you from the outside and seeing your yeah. potential. Um, and also just like, uh forcing me to be mindful about my goals because like recently I was thinking of writing a web series and I was like because it would be a good vehicle for me as an actor I would be able to write a role that I like I'd be able to da, da, da. and um she was like that's all great if that's what you want but she's like if deep down all you want is to be an actor let's just make you an actor mm -hmm. so she's like I just want you to get clear on like what is the goal here is it is it to write and produce a web series or is it to be an actor I'm like, hmm. So I think it's very, um, yeah, it's good at just looking at like, maybe I've been making it harder to achieve my goals in some ways, because maybe I'm scared of actually succeeding. Yeah, uh, I can relate which, to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and having someone just be like, all right, I took a look at the way that you spent your week this week. Like I, one of my exercises was to write out my schedule mm -hmm. and I've observed this and being like, <gasps> like seeing the through lines that you never would have seen. So I think it works. Um, it's been helping me um, see my potential, but also take, be able to criticize myself in a constructive way and criticize my choices in a constructive way. So that's like really kind of lit me on fire lately and made me feel better about myself because I feel like I'm acquiring tools like in the past yeah. it was like when I was younger and I wanted to be a singer you know you take classes at the local community center or whatever but you're not 
you know, then you see some like amazing show choir and you're like, oh, we're, we're not doing any of that stuff. And you always feel like, why don't I have the right tools in my toolkit? So it feels like I'm finally, yeah, figuring out what those tools are, those next level kinds of steps. And that feels constructive. And good. that's amazing. I feel yeah. like it would also probably be like, like you said about getting criticism that isn't negative. It's yeah. just constructive. I feel like that would probably do good work on changing your relationship with criticism. Cause you were saying yeah. earlier, like it's, it's a tough thing to get used to being criticized and to change mm -hmm. the way that you frame that for yourself. And I feel like that would be really valuable towards that. Yeah. Just learning that criticism can just be a question an mm. observation. It doesn't have to be like, and that means you're a bad person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's often not the goal of criticism. Um, it's, it can be hard not to see it that way, though. I also have a mom, have a mom who's like no criticism ever. <laughs> like, like <laughs> absolutely not. She's like, just uh, yeah, such a hippie, and she's just like, yeah, do whatever you feel, and like nothing, nothing you do is ever wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and think, you're like, well, it is though sometimes. Like, it is sometimes <laughs> wrong though. <laughs> like. And that's okay. And then I guess conversely on the mom side of it, it's like, oh God, if I say this, am I a less loving mom? And mm -hmm. when we hear it, it's like, does that mean I'm a bad person? And it's like, no, like criticism, it's just a thing. Like it's not yeah. good or bad. And like, it's, it's just what it is. Um, I think, I think learning- you can also, you can change your relationship with criticism by- trying to manage your own inner critic like mm -hmm. I feel like however active your inner critic is it's gonna make it more difficult for you to take criticism from the outside if you're already constantly berating yourself constantly criticizing yourself constantly beating yourself up for not doing everything right then all it's gonna take is a very small amount of criticism from the outside for you to be completely overwhelmed by it Right. Whereas if mm -hmm. you can find a way to mm -hmm. kind of quiet that inner critic a bit, then it leaves more room for you to tolerate criticism from the outside. Yeah. Or ask yourself questions like sometimes I have these amazing moments where I'm just like staring at a wall and a thought occurs to me and I go, where's that thought come from? And then you can follow it all the way down to like kindergarten. It's mm -hmm. crazy. And you'll be like, oh, I'm still mad at my grade nine art teacher. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's why I have this feeling. Um, and I am still mad at my grade nine art teacher. She was mean. But um, like, I think sometimes sitting with a thought that's like, oh, you're no good at this or you'll never blah, blah. And just going, what, where does that come from? Where have I heard that before? Mm -hmm. And just like follow the trail. And it's so surprising where all these things come from. And once you see that it's like, oh, that's where it's so much easier to work with it absolutely and start to let go of it like once you realize that it's really just that you're mad at your grade nine art teacher the thing that <laughs> yeah. that led to in your 30s is gonna have way less power over you uh, because yeah. you can see where the root is mm -hmm. and you can see that it's like kind of you can kind of get ready to let go of it at that point because it's like well come on now like are we are we really going to there's that expression like let this person take up uh, like live rent-free rent in my head. Yeah. Like, am I going to let that happen? 
And of course you don't want that. Um, I don't think my grade nine art teacher would want that. So, <laughs> um, it's just like, yeah, I think that's a huge tool for getting used to criticism, but also for self-esteem to see that like, oh, these aren't just like the truth floating around in my head thoughts. Mm-hmm. They're thoughts that I acquired along the way and they weren't in there naturally. It, there's a reason they're in there. Yep. Yeah, some somebody or something put them there a while ago, and they just, like, never got unpacked. It's like, mm-hmm. I think of it like boxes being delivered to my brain all the time. Yes. Right? And, like, sometimes I'll take a box, and I'll, like, I'll open it up, and I'll look through it, and I'll put everything away where it's supposed to go, and then other times I just don't unpack the box at all, and I just shove it in the, <laughs> in the back yeah. of my brain. And then that's when problems start to come up. It's like, oh, there are a bunch of boxes that I have not unpacked and it's getting like very cluttered up there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And actually right now, the moon is in Scorpio. So if you've been looking to unpack some stuff, this is the time. It's very like, get into the basement of your soul, mm-hmm. dust off these things that you know, maybe you've never looked at or maybe you looked at and you're like, I'm over it. But it's like, you're not yep. necessarily over it um and just like it's it's a good time for introspection cosmically but also a lot of us have more time on our hands right now um so like it's a good time to take advantage of of that and do the unpleasant nitty-gritty work Mm -hmm. I think uh, a lot of the time we can be uh really scared or hesitant to sit with that negative stuff because we feel like it will be permanent where it's like Mm -hmm. if I let myself feel this negative feeling then I'm gonna feel like that forever and so if I just never let the feeling in then it can never take hold of me whereas really that that feeling is gonna have more power being in the background and subtly steering you uh (laughs) whereas like if you just let it kind of take over for a minute you're going to be able to let it go so much better than the constant like trying to push it back into the background 100% that's something i always keep in the back of my mind that um when i did uh when i lived with my mom she or when i would just go hang out with her she had this thing where she never wanted to feel like an old lady so she mm-hmm. started to fall asleep in front of the tv she'd be like oh, oh, i'm falling asleep oh my God, it's eight o'clock. I'm falling asleep. And she would sit there and be so mad at herself. But the whole movie, she's trying not to fall asleep. And I'd always be like, mom, if you let yourself fall asleep right now, I bet you'd only sleep for like 10 minutes. We all have that thing where we like Mm -hmm. doze off watching TV and we wake up, you know, it's usually short. And if not, maybe you need the rest. Like I'm cool. I will be here when you wake up. And um, I always wanted that for her was just like, okay, yeah, you're falling asleep. Yes, you're an old lady. <laughs> like, let's just give in to that mm. and move on. And um, I think I saw firsthand how, like, destructive and just not, you don't accomplish anything fighting like that. So I think yeah. I saw that firsthand and she would always be like, oh, oh, you're right. You're so wise. But she wouldn't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's hard to let yourself give in to whatever it is. But it's like, once you do like have the uncomfortable conversation, whether with yourself or someone else, that's sitting in it is what leads you to the better thing. Exactly. Well, 
You are wise. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I I feel yeah. I don't, I was gonna say something less good about myself, but I'll just say yes. I'm very wise. <laughs> yes, there you go. There you go. <laughs> On that note, um, we end by me giving the guest a genuine compliment. Okay. What's your relationship with compliments? Hmm. Do you tend to deflect them? Um, do you, do they make you squirm? Like what's it, what, what do you feel when people give you compliments? I love getting a good compliment, especially when it's very specific to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but if it goes on too long, then I start to be like, ah, okay. So I, <laughs> so I like a short, concise, and specific compliment. <laughs> okay. Mine tend to be specific. They aren't always short. So we'll see no, how this that's goes. It's a good challenge for me to sit yeah. in the compliment. <laughs> okay. So my first compliment for you would be that I feel like you are a supreme babe. Just want to get that out of the way <laughs> right off the bat. I think you are a supreme babe. Um, I really, really, really love your comedy. I remember like when you first moved to Toronto and I saw you for the first time, like you'd already been doing stand-up back in Winnipeg, but when I first saw you for the first time here, I was like, oh, yes! <laughs> I was like <laughs> so happy <laughs> to have like you as an addition to this scene. And I feel like uh, the way that I feel about your comedy is different than different than me just being a comedian who sees another comedian who is good and I respect your comedy. It felt more like I was your audience. Like when I watch your comedy, I'm like, yeah, this is for me. Like, like when you put out an album, I'll be listening to that album because I genuinely like am the audience for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that would be one thing. I think you are a weirdo in the best way. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love it. I feel like no one else is like you. You are so you are so unique, um, but so relatable as well. Like you haven't. You're not so niche that you can't reach everyone. It's more like. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, a, a, if I put it in terms of like food, when you taste a flavor and you're like, ooh, what is that? Like, what is that <laughs> ingredient that I'm finding so enticing in this food? And it's something you've never had before. It's, it's like that. Um, I just, I love your comedy and I think you're great. Um, and <laughs> I can't wait to see where you go. And I want you to keep making more everything so that I can consume it as your audience. <laughs> well, that is so nice to hear. Um, that's funny because... When um, when I first saw your comedy, I was like, oh, I think um, I think there's an audience for me here because even though we're not necessarily similar comics, I feel like we live under the same artist umbrella. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, oh, there's all right, like, because <laughs> I saw you on like a show that was like a a real paid show, and I was like okay, there's a place for me here. Yeah. And I did feel that kinship right away with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always excited to see you on a show. So the feeling's absolutely mutual. And I love, and I think, yeah, those are all things that uh, you complimented me on that I hope about myself. So it was nice to hear someone say it. That's good. You deserve that. <laughs> well, thank thank you. you for being here today. 
Thanks for joining me. This is such a nice way to start my day. Absolutely, me too. And uh, <laughs> l listeners, go be nice to yourself and remember that love is everywhere. <laughs>